This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Clodo, on a scale of 1 to 10, how filthy is today's show? And say where, where maybe 1 is not filthy at all, that one of those, one of those Cliff Richards uh, films from the 60s, and 10 is something with Harvey Keitel on it. This is a solid 12. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe cover your ears for parts if you're not, if you're a bit of a prude. This show is a tiny bit X-rated, but it's still going to be very enjoyable. So do listen. It's, yeah, and as well as there's going to be some adult language, but there'll also be a frank discussion of issues relating to the adult language, which it doesn't mean I can necessarily contain swear words, but might contain visuals. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, yes, I'd say if this is, if you don't think it's going to be appropriate for you, this episode may not be for you. of studios in Dublin. Welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Gaucher. I'm Clodagh McGinley. And you're all very welcome to today's episode. Clodagh, obviously, and you, you are still glowing in the afterglow of graduation. Oh, I don't know about that, Dara. Just, <laughs> just swallowing through life now, realising how much Ireland appreciates young, talented graduates. <laughs> it really does, my God, the arts, the poor arts. That's not what the show is about, but that can mm. be that can be an eventual show at some stage. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I found I found moving from doing fairly well, reasonably well in a humanities degree to the world of work was a huge, huge slap. I kind of come down, and obviously, maybe yes, it was my own decision to do things that weren't maybe weren't specifically read to an awful lot of jobs but I didn't I hadn't really realized how severe it was gonna be mm-hmm. it's a big adjustment yeah and times haven't really changed I mean things are that little bit more liberal these days but mm. ultimately reality is still reality and that's just the sad truth but it doesn't have to be the sad truth either you know reality is what you make it so absolutely you can inject your life with positivity if you want to Something I really noticed with some of my younger friends is uh, that recent graduates and yeah, people in their early twenties in general are a lot more entrepreneurial than um, than they were <laughs> when I when I was. I think people maybe in the Celtic Tiger people expected didn't feel any pressure to be entrepreneurial because they knew there was going to be some sort of job available. Whereas now I'm seeing people like yeah, saying yes, I'm applying for this job, but I've also got this kind of makeup gig going on, on the side, mm-hmm. and I'm also doing these kind of other all these other things and also selling these things on Etsy or eBay and you know what I'm constantly working please pay me and obviously the the, the background of that isn't just you know gumption some of it is just the horrible horrible uh, millennial poverty it truly is I mean like the recession happened when I was about 13 in 2008 yeah. so all the way through secondary school 
we were kind of exposed to this whole idea of, oh, you'll never have a job. Oh, it's all terrible. Oh, you know, mm. the world is such a harsh place. So we've really kind of prepared ourselves, I think. I think also, obviously, social media means that we've all seen the benefits and we've all seen, you know, where blogging can take you, where having a MUA page on Instagram can take you and yeah. all these different things. So it's definitely not a bad thing. You know, I think it's a fantastic thing. I think it's great to have, you know, multiple streams of income and everything else. Mm-hmm. But there is definitely that kind of like entrepreneurial fire, I guess you could say. I mean, I'm not even sure if startups really existed in the form they do nowadays back when I was, you know, say 13, 14. I'm not sure mm. if that was really a thing, but that's really become that's really become a thing. So Yeah, I think it's, well, I suppose, often I find when you ask some of the difference between a startup and just a company, you get mm. this kind of wobble, but I, I, it does seem obviously that there's, that there's maybe... um there's a break in that the that kind of social contract between employers and employees and mm, for better and for worse too i mean mostly for worse in fairness mm, yeah i mean <laughs> whatsapping your employees at 10 p.m is not a good thing i was speaking on behalf of a very good friend of mine mm. who has been whatsapped by her employees who i won't name they're in a different country so it's fine but i'm not gonna name them even anyway and it's just so unprofessional and terrible please don't do it if you were mm. an employer listening to this show it's not okay yeah but, apparently gdpr is supposed to hit that in the head too but well, of all the things, people <laughs> aren't sure. But one of the reasons I guess you you haven't fired along today is because, of, in addition to your um, you, when you studied Irish in Trinity College and you did very well, you also dipped your toe into some related or re- related languages. I did indeed. We did kind of a little variation of Celtic studies, and one of the modules was Scots Gaelic, mm. which is very very similar to Irish. I mean, if you know Irish at all, you will pick up Scots Gaelic really really easily and quickly. Um, the pronunciation is a little bit different, but other than that, it's very, very similar. The nature of it can be a little bit different at times, so, and that's kind of partially what we're going to discuss on today's show, how, you know, certain parts mm. of Scots Gaelic, the way it's delivered, the way it's um, used in speech and everything else. I would nearly go as far as to say that it's slightly less formal in a way than Irish in certain respects. It's less kind of based upon an idea of kind of beauty and grandeur like there's something far more earthed about it mm-hmm. you know again for better or for worse but it is very interesting it isn't it's obviously we we, we are there's more it's going on in the relationship between irish and scots gallic than we can cover in one episode but i did want to do just a general introduction and i wanted to obviously i wanted to speak to some scottish people about how things go over there and the larger geopolitical issues and how how two very similar languages moved into the 20th century. One had a famine and the other didn't. One was divided along religious lines and the other wasn't. Mm. That's not really what today's episode is about. Today we're just going to give, and and to give some context and examples of how certain words in the two languages might sound different and certain traditions are similar and the same. And to give an idea of how familiar it might be, I have found a work which I believe you might find quite interesting. And we're going to read and discuss some extracts from it and compare it to similar Irish works. The book in question is on Laurelia. On Laurelia, which is the light blue book. We'd know that's the grey book, but obviously light blue, grey, they're, they're as messed up with colours as we are. Exactly. And this is 500 Years of Gaelic Love and Transgressive Verse. It's edited by Peter McKay and Ian McPherson. Mm. It is published by Lua Press in Edinburgh. Lovely. And, yes, and this deals with a number of poems, traditional poems in Scots Gaelic. So you won't find Robert Burns here. He spoke Lowland Scots. Oh, interesting. But, and obviously we, we all love Robert Burns, and, but this is more the Scots Gaelic, so the, it'll be interesting to see how we're going to discuss some poems and see if you recognize some of the words from them. And uh, Clodagh knows more about the pronunciation than I do, so she's going to be guiding me 
as I fumble through some of this um, language. We'll do our very best. Disclaimer as well, I'm not Scottish, evidently. So if my pronunciation isn't fantastic, then don't come for me. <laughs> we will obviously. We will do our best. We will, of course, be having a, a, a more in-depth discussion of the, the broader context of Scots Gaelic with a Scottish person soon. I wouldn't just have, say, here's Scots Gaelic, there you go. Exactly, yeah. yeah no, we'll so, do it justice. So we consider this a, a pre-introduction. Yes, albeit filthy. <laughs> oh, yes. So... We're going to start with a poem, just and um, Clodagh is going to read it in the Scots Gaelic, and we're going to talk about it, and then I'm going to read the English translation. Clodagh, this is Eistav Elucht Antigsha. And this poem was written by Isabel Nivek Kailain, Kuntish Erir Rail. Eistri Elucht Antigsha, Reishgail, Eve, Namut, Mriver, Dachanti Makrisha, Quid Sashgail of the Shkriva. Ke Lienver but bra vulach, the vets and I'm sure Rowan, ta igvar an eerd chroisha, but os ka vara Rowan, but mahagert hurstil, ge atag of vata, shasvak, ochakan, on kuelaur, on reva ata navakan, ata rawa rorar, aunshin, isni scale breka, nocha kula a ho rawer. Oh, what Aragish is HD. Excellent. Mm. And some listeners will be surprised or not recognize all of that, be a little startled. But there's going to be a few words in there which I believe a lot of you will recognize. First of all, there is um, a T shirt at this house. Mm-hmm. T. Yeah, very tig. similar. I spelled T I G H E, which so you think that looks a bit like Tig in Irish. Fair enough. And there is, you may have seen the word, heard the word hoggart or sagart, which you will recognize as the word for a priest. Mm-hmm, exactly. And row rower, meaning very thick or very fat. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the verbs do are quite similar. You will. Uh, the, the scale is there for a story. It is. And bud, of course, is another word which you'll recognize. That might give some context to the poem, uh, bud <laughs> being the word for a penis. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read the English translation, which is listen, everyone in the house. By Isabel McKayleen, the Countess of Argyll. Listen, everyone in the house, to the tales that I have written of the energetic cocks with which my heart is smitten. Forget the death-dealing cocks so plentiful in the past. This man of holy orders has a cock helmet at least as vast. Though the cock of my salaried priest is enduring and long, ah, have you heard about the stoutness of his dong? It is so mightily thick, I promise these aren't lies. Since Fergus, there's been no cock anywhere near as wide. Listen. So, we weren't lying when we were, uh, we, we gave her a little warning at the start of the show. That's pretty filthy. The use of the word dong gets me every time. It's just so hysterical. I haven't heard that word in so long. And this is the thing, because this is, I mean, it. it it rhymes obviously with enduring and long. Mm, exactly. <laughs> so this is a, 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 a scholarly a scholarly translation. Exactly. Anreva ata namechan. That's that's why you're referring to the line which refers to his dong. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, there is quite a lot going on there. There is quite a lot. It's a quite a you could call it a vulgar piece of work at one level, but it is also. I presume it is somewhat humorous too, you know. I yes. mean, you really could not sit down and write that and take yourself seriously. Maybe you could. I don't know. And she but. is a countess. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she's experienced, clearly. Yes, <laughs> she's exactly. well-versed in the, the vocabulary of the penis. And this, just to give you some context, this poem was around the 16th century, the 1510. So this would be roughly contemporaneous to 
uh, the pre-Shakespeare. I'll take your word for yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pre-Shakespeare. Yeah, so yeah, maybe maybe um, I'm going to do a double check, but I believe that would be contemporary to Chaucer. Mm. Hang on. No, it would have been about a century after Chaucer. Okay, but, not too far uh, off there. Yeah, but basically, yes, um, in between Shakespeare and Chaucer, this is roughly that time. So that gives a context. So Scotland would have been going through off lots of stuff there, but you can see there that that there's, there's a lot of words there which would be very similar to the ones we'd recognize in Irish. So the next poem we're going to look at is, yeah, this is an anonymous poem, but it's titled Coralon Cormac de Vach Ideal Cormac's advice to someone choosing a wife. Vic nur hit hu chaya mra, shakan binadek, kinadak is nadak, shakan avinachulak is an eela cry, shakan ulak avala, knop er slogan is kos er urishan, shakan namnaha dona, kailashak, gunashak lesham, fire tresh the hyan, on korshnacht na shirrash. Dan Tyan Fane Shakan Narui Vyaka is Narui Vora Narui Rock Vosach Khan Onan Daushan is Svanon on Teal Mari Eid Am Firfane the Ko Lauchas Shakan Avok Vosach Achlud Shleshak is the Yer Spokach Shakan Avishak Vor Achush Kladi Eg Am Biak on Tashnamora Lan Luktver is on Korpchan, Te, Tartok, Nok, Tuga, Ban, Da, Grinage Freed, Amok Air, Bullock Gungara Ura, Taina Dunna Malda, Nadua Knasiala, Kirka Bika, Air Ga Naluk, Luok, Sheer is Nashakan, Mahaja Vesen Aun on Shur Air on Down, Is on Shin Aha Eat, Is Chanel Isko. Excellent. There's some words there that you may have caught out as saying, yes, I kind of recognize that one. Such as rua. You've heard the word rua there is referring to red hair. Mm-hmm. And avik, it's starting out with being a son. When one is addressing one's son, mana, obviously meaning, we always interpret as being woman, but here in here it's being used in the context of being a wife. Mm-hmm. Man and woman, man and wife, so yeah. forth. They are intimately linked words. Mm-hmm. And yeah, normally ban in the singular in um in Scots Gaelic can refer to a wife. Mm-hmm. Fun fact for you, and there are definitely differences. I mean, there are certain things like ta obviously meaning is, mm-hmm. but then the negative version in Irish it would be ni will, but then in Scots Gaelic chan el chan el chan el yeah oh yeah no it is a little bit different. It's kind of the l is not too too dissimilar to will. But the Khan is just, it just emerged. That's just the negative. That's the negative kind of... Um, Khan, like almost like gone, but not quite. Not dissimilar to yeah. gone, yeah. Not dissimilar, but it's not quite. It's one of those things where it can sound quite similar, but it's not necessarily linked to that makes sense. I think we've discussed that on the show before, that, you know, certain words that sound similar in different languages. It could just be coincidence. It could be yes. linked. It could be this, that, mm. the other, you know. Absolutely, yeah. We can, you, can't, you cannot rule out coincidence in these situations. But Cormac's advice to a son when choosing a wife, in English, the, again, this is anonymous or gun era mm-hmm. <laughs> in, uh, in the Scots. So it's, son, when you come to choose a wife, shun the little twitterer, the clannish one, the pert one, shun the wood gabbler, the shore screamer, shun the am- amorer's load, the gullet clogger, the front door foot jammer, 
shun the Hallians, the gossipers, the fickle ones who'd rather jaunt to their neighbours than an eternity at home. Shun the little redheads, the big redheads, the stiff-arse redheads. They're not like worldly women, they kill men with their antics in bed. Shun the soft arse, the heavy thighs, the sharp clawed. Shun the lump of seaweed from the foot of the shore with broad, bulky ribs and a hot, tight, thirsty body who no woman could give birth to without a lot of thrusting. Choose the bashful brunettes, those with white skin and black hair, the small, tanned ones and mousy hair. Seek them out and don't shun them. If there are three women in the world with good manners, it's among these you'll find them. So, Cormac's advice (laughs) to his son isn't really good advice. No, no. I mean, you could argue that. (laughs) I'm loving Shun the soft arse, honestly. (laughs) Why? Yes, indeed. So the, um, for context there, um, so, Shachan Avesach more of, yeah, oh, Shachan and Bug Vasach, that's a soft arsed. Mm-hmm. Bug Vasach, good Bug. God. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't take Cormac's advice. Um, choose someone, you know, who um, who you respect, who respects you back, make, and you make each other laugh, and, you know, and um, and you're on each other's side, the person who you'd, you'd miss. Exactly. Person who, yeah, the person who you know you'd miss if you, if you had to go away. Yeah, no, Cormac's advice is a tad extreme. Yes, and a little bit on the shallow side. Just a tiny bit, you know, just a tad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was a different time, you know. Uh, it would bleed no want to have been. <laughs> <laughs> God, I really hope times have changed. <laughs> I, I hope so too. <laughs> David Kitt, hello, how are you? It was a bit dramatic, the post maybe, and part of you goes, oh shit, now. You I feel like to... you have to leave now. Well, there's that, <laughs> and there's me, and then it's like your mates texting you going, geez, what's going on? Like, can, can we go yeah. for going away pints and all this kind of stuff? Hello, my name is Dave Hanrowdy, and there will be no encore, your weekly music smackdown every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Okay, we've, we've gone through some kind of coarse ones, but I think we're going to go to maybe a, a lovely one now. Yeah. Because you know, there are lovely ones, and it would be a real shame if we just implied that our Scottish neighbours, our wonderful, loyal Scottish neighbours, were just filthy, and we weren't. That would be that'd be wrong. That would be highly unfair. And shameful. It really would. So. No, you guys all need a break from the from the vulgarity of the... Okay. So this one is Avrua Jeremy Latorier, who's by Niall Gallagher, who is a modern poet. He's only born in 1981. Oh, wow. Which to me, is, to me is quite young. <laughs> or which you think he's very an old fogey. Ah, no. No, it's only a decade in the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> decade flies past. Absolutely. Okay. Fruiter me lat a rare. Fruiter me lat a rare. Mar her eat on an Catalonia. A rare mockler. Chanaun urt. No much. Yen get a va eat illa fear, ectera eke ella, oclat. Os j mara rhine shin fesha, curric shin seal ella, is shine nar coddle, far on jack shin cola agus manal, er dawi, the heak fomalav yesh. Is tu a heel, subsic gok neaver, es griefish me, is susibrich gok dan, meanach gok shantans, is gok breher. As be a vel e fearin er no burn, no mavrither, far a vel vine, er gil agus a graver kulanta. Oh. Mm. Catalonia. 
Catalonia. It's a very Scottish word. <laughs> it's a very Scottish word, and that is one of the ones now. I see you. You may have been listening to that and thought, "Yeah, I recognise some um, lash." Obviously, you. Me, uh, why are you? And then you may have recognised also uh, fear, meaning true. Mm-hmm. And you may have also recognised fearin, meaning masculine, understandable. And but you now, but we'll look at the word, the poem in English, and see what you think. I dreamt with you last night. By Niall Gallagher. I dreamt with you last night, as they say in Catalonia, according to my dictionary. Not of you, or about you, although they were all true by the end of, of another night, but with you. After we had sex, we made another world in our sleep, where we went together, my breath on your neck, my right hand on your breast. You, my love, are the subject of every verb I write, the substance of each poem, the meaning of each sentence and word, whether it is masculine or feminine, in my dream, where there is only our love and grammar perfected. Ah, oh, that's lovely. I love that. It's, it's you know, it's... It is again. It's uh, it's it's it, there's a there's a physical familiarity there, but mm. there's there's nothing kind of gratuitous or, or anything like that. It's it's very lovely. Like that's, I mean, maybe some people might bristle at the word sex and breast, but that's like that's a poem we could read at a wedding. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd be quite happy to have that right at my wedding. It's, to be honest, I dreamt with you last night by Nala Gallagher. Take a note. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely. So that's that's a gorgeous poem. But again, this is this is more modern. This obviously, as you mentioned, this poet was born in 1981, mm-hmm. and this again. I'm beginning to see less recognisable words now that we have moved forward a few centuries. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it mm-hmm. does get increasingly less kind of similar to Guelga, I suppose, the more it goes on. Mm. Um, to be quite honest, I'm not sure of those reasons as to why that happens. I presume it's because when words were still originating, they mm. were all quite close-knit. But then as more time expanded and, you know, people expanded and regions expanded and everything else, more dialect, dialectical, dialectic things dialectical um influences came in and words changed and shifted and there's a little bit of shape shifting going on so while scots gallic is still extremely similar to guelga it's definitely not the same language you know i mean you would need to sit there and learn certain things and you would need to sit there and go through vocabulary and um the phonetics are quite different at times too Hmm. you know and the grammatical things can be very very different but overall though it is very easy to learn you know you may give the example earlier of Perth. I did, I did. There is, if I remember correctly, and somebody, if you know there isn't a town in Scotland called Perth, please do correct me, but I think there is. And in Scots Gaelic, it's Perth. So there are certain things too. So if you want to say in Perth, let's just say, mm-hmm. for words that begin with B and P, you have to say am. But for words that begin with, I think it's F, is it? And then D, possibly as well. You say an an, oh. so an am perched, but an an Dunedin. Dunedin is Edinburgh. Oh. Um, so that's one example of how the phonetics can be quite Dunedin. different. Dunedin. Dunedin, yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, no, it is actually really lovely. I presume Dune comes from, you know, it's, it's quite so much Irish. It's like Aideen's town. Yeah, something like that. It's lovely. It is really, really lovely. There are really, really lovely terms. Um, yeah. I mean, overall, the phonetics, you know, they're not dissimilar, but there are definitely differences. Um, like that example, Perth, the RT can mm. come across more like a sh sound. It's quite a soft sound. It's a softer language, I would say, overall. And then a G um, is sounded like a C. So scale, interestingly, in the older poem, scale was still spelled C-S-C-E 
father or their version of a father, yeah. A-L. But the way that we learned it when I was in college, it was S-G-E-U-L. So that kind of phonetic, mm. you know, pronunciation has come in more recent times, maybe. Um, but scale would be, it would be pronounced the same, but it's S-G as opposed to S-C. This is the thing there, because I was just looking there at the last line, our, our love and grammar perfected in English and our, our gael agus a grammar chalienta. So gael obviously being the word for love there. Yeah. I'm not going to be, I'm not an authority in Scots Gaelic, but that, I mean, that may very well be a double meaning or a decision in translation. But yeah. that's, uh, it's interesting, obviously, sounding like a, 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 a Scottish or a, a Irish person, a gael, but the, uh, yeah. it's a lovely, <laughs> lovely little note there. We might have uh, one more poem. This is an interesting point. Rodi Gorman has written this poem, and this this will be interesting too when you look at the translation side by side, the actual decisions made by a poet in the circumstances. Rodeo. Show me Ian Arisht, Bail Regal Suis Erdewin, Namvarki Rodeo, Healy tu on Jay, Nadirshi me Santiak ut Gunraumi Erfayan, on Ucher Er Agnohok, Ak Asht. Nur Yerish Mikan Dielich Ha Is Agum Glan Gerhe Harom O Baba Bobo Hurry Horo Titchum. So evidently he described in the rodeo, but you will see in the English. So in English, this is rodeo. Here I am again, about to get on your back, a rodeo rider. You'd think after all my experience and position that I've ma- managed to get a handle on the business, but still, when we get in the saddle, I know I well know that before me there's a bo oh ba ba bo bo hurla ho ho a f- that fall a fall a fall a fall yeah titum as opposed to I fall it says he's translated as a, as a fall which is again mm. interesting because titum looks certainly like the verb for me yeah. me falling against you know the removing that part so again you, you look at um look at this particular poem and then <laughs> you see there that obviously this is a kind of a, a humorous poem a, a humorous and mucky poem but then the decision to just with in the translation to say you know what these automatic peg sounds let's just leave them as they are precisely and keep that flavor going so that's uh it is intriguing and there's a bit is. of a double meaning in terms mm-hmm. of bow being you know being cow obviously yeah. in irish i suppose maybe you know they did keep that in mind too yeah, so I wonder if that's actually just a, a, a native call and a native mm. call there in, in, in Scots Gaelic. So this has been a um, an interesting kind of a first dip into this um, into this extraordinary language. We will be hoping um, visiting it again because it's a, it's one of the most interesting comparison points between Irish and other languages. We we are often forced compelled to compare Irish to English, which isn't always a um, a useful comparison. But this Not is well. something that hopefully will over there. The text we've been looking at today is called On Lara Leah. And as we said at the top of the show, it is published by Lua Press in Edinburgh. And it is edited by Peter McKay and Ian McPherson. And you can get that in bookshops around Ireland. Beautiful. And Scotland too, I'm sure. So until the next time, thank you so much, Claudia. So it's a slant from me. And a slant from me. Catch you next time. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.